Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the Fortress of the Mind podcast. I appreciate your joining us again here tonight. And in this podcast, I'm going to answer two different and unrelated questions that I received from emails recently. And the only reason I'm going to answer them in the same podcast is simply because each one is so short that it doesn't really make much sense to do a separate podcast about each question. The first question is going to involve a issue that came up in one of my essays. The, the reader is writing to me asking me what I meant by a certain sentence in one of my essays. And the second question comes down to a uh, question that involves career changes and educational choices. So what I'm going to do first is deal with the first question, and I'll read that off. It's an email that I got recently from a reader. And I've gotten emails before from this reader, very nice guy. He knows uh, the details of, of about the things that I've written about and has, has actually studied my essays uh, in, in real detail, which I appreciate. So he's gotten the most out of it because the essays that I write, you can't just read them once. You have to read them several times because they're very dense. There's a lot of information in there. Every little sentence is there for a meaning is there for a specific purpose. And only by reading something, setting it aside, going back to it again and rereading it, you'll be able to really uh, squeeze all of the the nutrients out of that fruit. But in his question, he asks me this. He says, I have a question for you today, Quintus. He says, I am seeking clarification on one point in one of my favorite essays of yours, this is one from the March of Worldly Wisdom. And for those who don't know, that March of Worldly Wisdom, that's the title of an essay in my first book, 37. And I've got a copy of the book beside me here as I go through this, this question here. And it's chapter, chapter 12 in 37. And the title of the chapter is The March of Worldly Wisdom. Okay, so he says he says he says the line is the line I have a question about is quote you become more focused on attending to details carelessness and frivolity are feminine traits and he says perhaps I work with a number of higher functioning women who are in traditional male roles like engineers soldiers aggressive street cops detectives leaders in general but they always and he bolds all the word always but they always pick out that line when I share this essay with them. A number of them have asked for clarity, and I told them I would ask you. It seems to be a real sticking point regarding the essay. Can you please expand on that portion of the essay? Take care. All right. So when I first read this question from the reader, I smiled to myself because isn't it so typical of women uh, to take offense to something as innocuous and relatively unimportant in the essay as a line that obliquely, uh, debatably even criticizes uh, feminine traits. Uh, I gave that sentence hardly, uh, you know, I, 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 there was no ulterior motive of, uh, of uh, uh, anything behind that other than to make the point that 
I believe hundreds of years of social conditioning in society have equipped men with a certain set of character traits that they've been, that I think partly are the result of genetics and I think are also partly the result of environment. Men have always traditionally been the breadwinners, the earners, the source of income for for a family or leadership of a group, of a tribe, a nation, a people. And men have had to, of necessity, cultivate certain traits. They've had to cultivate certain traits of compromise, decisiveness, leadership, precision, ruthlessness, um, all of the types of traits that you might see in a hunter, for example. And that's really what masculine energy is sourced at. That's really what masculine energy is all about. Masculine energy is all about breaking through barriers, overcoming obstacles, achieving great things, providing for one's kin and one's family. Feminine energy, traditionally, have al- has always been about nurturing, opening up to receive love, um, you know, organizing the household, and uh, doing those things that are necessary for the maintenance and survival of her offspring. And that's not a criticism. There's nothing negative about that. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. It's only in our sick modern society where we find something wrong with this or someone might take offense to someone saying that. I make no apologies for saying that. No apologies at all. And if that bothers some career woman or if it unnerves some career woman to hear that, the social and biological basis for the difference between the genders, then that's their problem. But that's all I meant by that. And carelessness and frivolity, I call those feminine traits, because when you're doing the work of the primary uh, caretaker, caregiver, provider, there isn't a lot of room for error. There isn't a lot of margin for error. You know, when primitive man first walked the the steps of ancient East Africa many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years ago. He had to fan out over vast expanses of land and he had to form small tribes that were focused on hunting, focused on movement. And hunting in in the primeval era uh, was not simply taking a shot at, a, at game from a distance. It was a highly coordinated, highly sophisticated endeavor. And most of it was done without even bows and arrows. For many hundreds of thousands of years, primitive man hunted with spears. They had to get in close. They had to get in close to slay slay their prey. And it took a very high degree of coordination, communication, cooperation, compromise, decisiveness, okay, and coordination to get in close to land, the death blows that would bring down a large, uh, a large game, a large example of game, whether it was a mastodon or whether it was a, a zebra or any of the primeval animals that that uh, that lived in those and li- that lived in that era. So, when an organism does something for hundreds and thousands of years, it imparts certain codes on that on that organism's DNA. 
And those traits are passed on from generation to generation. And the same thing is true with women. Men and women need each other. They complement each other. They're not competitors. They're not in opposition to each other. They're supposed to complement each other. And it's only in our warped modern society where the gender roles have been completely neglected or thrown out the window or deliberately disparaged that anyone could possibly take offense at something saying something is is self-evident as carelessness and frivolity are feminine traits. Now, the answer might come back that, well, it takes just as much organization and lack of frivolousness to manage a household and to uh, bear children and rear children as it does for someone assuming a male role. And that's a good point. That may very well be true. That may very well be true. But I think it's arguable. And I think I haven't done the the data analysis. I don't know how anyone could do any data analysis on this, but I think it's pretty clear that in since the advent of industrial society, where men have been thrust into the role of you know the provider for a family, I think there definitely is less room for error than maybe there used to be. And I'm not even sure there used to be that much room for error. I think if you had a hunting party out uh, you know, spending days, days stalking game and one mistake meant that you lost your prey. I, I think, I think it's clearly, uh, I think clearly a good case can be made that men had to develop and refine a more sharpened and honed sense of, of precision and exactitude than did women. I think it is arguable that women may have been responsible, primarily, primarily at least, in the advent of agriculture. And I think agriculture is more of a trial and error type of endeavor. I think you can you can plant crops. I think by trial and error, I think you were able to discover what worked and what did not work. But we don't even have to go back into the, the agricultural age or the, the hunter-gatherer age to find examples. Of it. I, think, I think it's pretty clear that, um, that fr- frivolity and carelessness, uh, I think, have been primarily associated with women more than men. And I think if, if you have a man who's, who's more frivolous and more careless than a woman is, I think... I think he would rightly be considered effeminate in many ways. So that's all I meant by that. But I can even make the point even more forcefully if we just go back to to the essay itself and if I just read the whole context. And again, this is what I, what I'm doing in this essay. I was talking about what what things happen, how your how a man's perspective changes as he gets more wise, as he gets older and hopefully wiser. And one of those things was, and it's a, it's a bold-faced sentence, says, you become more focused on attending to details. Carelessness and frivolity are feminine traits. The wise man who seeks progress through the study of philosophy will begin to realize that this world is a serious place requiring a certain sense of sobriety and application. The responsibilities of life should be embraced and not shirked. So that's what I meant by that. But when I wrote that that uh, that excerpt, 
I also had in mind a lot of what I was seeing around me in the modern era, like today. And I think one of the problems of American society is that there's no consequences now for women anymore. There's simply no consequences. Women can, they can falsely accuse people of pretty much anything they want. They can commit transgressions, crimes, uh, things that a man would be punished severely for. And they seem to just, you know, they, they seem to just ride through it and are able to get away with it. Now, again, not always. I think, uh, you can say that that is not, might not always be the case, but it does seem to be the case a great deal of the time. And what I, and, and not just me, but I think a lot of guys are seeing now, that there's just been a loss of control, a, a complete lack of respect now that women now uh, are, are showing for men, at least in modern American society. I think it's also probably prevalent in other parts of the of Western Europe, there's there's no boundaries. In the old days, and I mean old, maybe more than 40 years ago, there used to be a sense of consequences, of boundaries, of rules, and now the culture just encourages the carelessness and frivolity to the extreme, and we see it played out and reinforced in the popular culture, in movies, in music, in everything. So that's also something. It, 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 I was primarily criticizing the the tendencies of the modern media to you know basically destroy any sense of uh, boundaries that girls and women now have and it's 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 a serious problem it's a serious problem because we see the result of that day in and day out in the media in the news where essentially there's a sense that Women can pretty much do whatever they want and get away with it. And if a man tries to do something, then he's just uh, hammered as a criminal. So hopefully that sheds, sheds a little bit of light on what I was trying to get at. It's a combination of uh, my observations or my interpretation of, of biology and history and also a commentary on what I see around me in modern American society. So that's what I meant by that line, and I hope that helps. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to move on to the next question that I got, which was from a reader, and essentially it involves what he should do at this point in his life regarding his career choices. So let me read and go through his email here. All right, I'm going to turn to his email and I'm going to try to read the relevant part. It's a very long email. For some reason, maybe I need to start putting in a rule in place where if people want to ask questions, they've got to keep their questions to 250 words or less. But this is a very long email. And without trying to reveal too much of the specifics, because there's so much specifics here, I don't want to inadvertently uh, reveal too much about this guy. But he's 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 very he's kind of concerned. And basically what he's saying uh, I'll, I'll start out the, uh, he says, uh, Dear Quintus, as per your recommendation, I picked up the book Travels by Michael Crichton and have enjoyed it thus far. I myself am at a crossroads in my life and I was wondering if you are not too busy, if perhaps you could shed some light on it. And he goes on to say he's, he's a graduate student and he's getting a degree in pre-physical therapy, whatever that is. I guess the specific major is integrative physiology and health sciences. And skimming through the email, what he's saying is that 
he's not really sure if he wants to progress or go further in this field. Uh, you know, uh, with the grad schools that he's been applying to, he's been encountering a lot of rejections, and he feels like he's losing his fire and his enthusiasm for the subject. And he goes on to talk about how his father always seemed to hate his own job. And growing up, he would he says, uh, my father always seemed to hate his job and would come would come home after a long day to veg out on the chair and watch sports. Although he has worked very hard to support us doing a good job, that doesn't just cut it that just doesn't cut it for him anymore. I don't want to end up like that at all. I have thought he says I have thought about going back to school for a different type of study, and he names it. Um, it's not important what it is. He says it might allow me to do consulting work outside of an office and a valued skill that could allow me ties to the family business, which I am presently not involved in. And he says, but then he goes on, he says, basically, you know, I, I'm thinking of doing this, but what I'm afraid of is I'm afraid that if I go back to school and get myself retrained in an entirely different area, it might disappoint my parents and it may cause them to question my commitment, even possibly my stability or my discipline. And he doesn't really know what to do. He says, for years I have tried to help change things, and there's been some improvement, but there's just an overall feeling of malaise. Well, welcome to modern society, man. Welcome to modern society. He says, um, I don't know if this is just normal of all people in my situation or if it's just me. Thank you for reading this long and rambling email. I guess I too have reached an existential crisis moment. How droll. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, for your uh, thank you reader for your email and I'm going to try to answer this to the best that I can all right so what, what what things jump out at me when I read this email okay this obviously is a guy uh, who's career oriented he's focused he's he's a, uh, a mission oriented type of guy he's he's majoring or he's studying uh, an intense field that involves a lot of study it's not some Mickey Mouse field and he doesn't really know if he feels any passion for it anymore. And he's thinking of going into another field, which is also a very challenging one, I can tell you. And he's also concerned about what his parents are going to think. He's worried that they might think that he's lacking direction. He doesn't know how it's going to come off. He doesn't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing or what. Just from reciting those factors, those observations, we can tell this is a guy who was brought up right, probably came from a very structured, very disciplined home. Uh, parents brought him up right. This guy is not a slacker. He's not a goof-off. He's not someone who's lacking in a sense of mission. He's just not sure of himself. That's what I get out of it. Okay, so what I'm going to tell this guy first is, man, first off, the question that you're asking is, is not an easy question to answer. You know, if it were an easy one, I guess you would need to ask it. But what you're really getting at is, how do I know if the career choice that I'm making is going to be the good one? And how am I going to know when it's time to make a change? And this is the thing, man. Nobody really knows that. Okay, nobody really knows. There are times in life when you have to kind of grope your way through the house and the lights are turned off and you have a blindfold on and you have to kind of feel your way along the wall and try to get from point A to point B without crashing your shin against a coffee table and without tripping down the stairs and breaking your freaking neck okay it's not easy it's not and anyone anyone who says otherwise 
is, you know, either has no imagination or is not being honest with you. Okay. People question the career choices they've made no matter what age they are. They do it when they're 25. They do it when they're 35, 45, 55. I'm sure there's some, you know, 75, 80-year-old guy out there who wakes up every morning and wonders if he made the right career choices. Nobody really knows. But you should like something enough where you can at least get up in the morning and do it on a consistent basis. I think it is a little bit of an overstated myth that everyone needs to hunt down this you know, uh, unique mission in life for themselves. And, and, and I think if you really do have a mission, that mission will find you or you will find it. You will connect with it somehow. But you, like I said earlier, a man cannot afford to be frivolous. You can't afford to waste a lot of time experimenting with different careers and trying different things over and over again. Uh, the better option seems to be everything that I've observed and my own conclusion. You got to go with what you know at the time. You got to do the best you can at that time. And if it's not meant to be. If it doesn't work out, you'll know. I mean, you'll reach a point after a couple of years of doing it. You say, I, I can't do this anymore. Your, your body will tell you. Your spirit will tell you. And at that point, it's never too late to go back. I, I also, the, the good thing is I don't think it's ever too late uh, to really embark on a change of direction. Okay, You can do whatever you want to do. Okay, You should... Try to pick something that's practical enough where you can make a living in it. I think those are the certain requirements that at least a person needs to be thinking about. It should be something that's practical enough where you can make a living doing it. You can support yourself. It should be something that you enjoy at least enough where you can get up in the morning and do it on a consistent basis. Okay, And it should be something that affords you at least some sort of decent quality of life. Okay, those those three things, if you can meet those criteria, you're doing very, very, very well. All right. Now, you may not find your sense of universal purpose, your uh, uh, metaphysical sense of purpose by doing some job that, that seems very mundane, but that's fine. That's fine. That's okay. You can always explore the metaphysical stuff on your own time. And if things are meant to be, then you will gravitate to something else over time. So nobody can really answer the question for you. You know, should you quit your current job or should you quit your current major and go back to college and take up something? Uh, that's not an easy question to answer. But I think what I can do is tell you my opinions about what are the right types of career decisions to make. I think that's that's really the, the focus you should be looking at. Instead of worrying about what major, what grad school to go to, you know, what whether you should go back to school or not. You know, if you if you reached a point with this this study that you have where you literally can't see yourself doing it, you don't want to do it, you you hate it so much, you don't even want to, uh, you know, be around any of the people in that in that in that field. Then then maybe maybe that is some 
uh, something uh, that you need to listen to. Maybe that is a feeling that should be listened to and, a, and an impulse that you need to monitor and, and to respond to. But like I said, those three requirements, if you can get up enough in the morning and, and, and do it and you can make a decent living doing it, and if it's something that uh, you feel is can provide you a reasonable sense of or, or a reasonable quality of life, then you know don't uh, don't don't uh, don't give it up too quickly. Think very very carefully before you just abandon things because in in this economy right now, let me tell you, it's hard to find jobs. It's hard to find things, and not everybody. Uh, regardless of what you may have heard from uh, this source or that source or some other source, not everybody can just get on the internet and just make money just uh, uh, geeking around on the internet all day. That's just not how uh, the majority of people are going to be able to make a career or, or even should make a career, you know, frankly. Okay. Uh, anyone who pumps that uh, too much. Uh, you need to look at the motivations of why they're doing that as well. I've written about this also. You know, I th- in my most recent book, In Pathways, the title of the book was Pathways, as a chapter on you need to think very carefully about your educational choices. You know, I am not a big believer of this, oh, just blow off college and just go and putz around and get on the internet and sell uh, sell uh, supplements and do this and do that and, and everything is going to be great. Well, uh, no, it's not. Okay. Um, you know, you need to get some skill that's marketable that you can do and that trains. Now, it doesn't mean everybody has to go to a four-year college. It doesn't mean that everybody has to go to a grad school. It doesn't All I'm saying is you should have some marketable skill that you've been trained for that you can go somewhere and you can do something. Okay, it can be a trade school. It can be this school. It can be that school. It doesn't matter. But you should have... A portfolio of marketable skills because it's going to not only for the practical monetary reasons but also it's going to cultivate your soul it's going to make you a richer person a, a deeper person a better person so i think you know getting back to this guy's email i think what this guy's feeling more than anything else is more just a kind of a, an ennui you know he feels a little bit listless a little bit tired feels a little bit burnt out uh, I think this guy's going to be fine. I, th- I think I think what this guy needs is a vacation. Frankly, I think this guy needs a couple weeks off, and just to kind of put things in perspective, you know, he's invested a lot of time, a lot of effort into this field, this physiology and health sciences, and you know, if you at least like it enough, where you enjoy it, where you can envision yourself getting up and doing this, then uh, you know, any temporary discomfort you may be feeling, I think, will pass. Going back to school and getting retrained in an, in, an, in an entirely different field of study is a big deal. I'm not saying don't do that. You know that may be the right decision for you, but do not jump into that right now. I think you need to take a vacation, maybe take a couple weeks off, think about it. You know, try to get some motivation back. Um, you know, a lot of the answers to a lot of these questions in life are are not glamorous answers. They're answers that involve me telling you. You better get your ass in there and fight it out. You know, no excuses, no running away, no backing down, no hiding into some other degree program. You know, you get in there and you do it. You know, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. 
And if every fiber of your being is going to rebel and revolt against this field of study in physiology and health sciences, then maybe you've made the maybe you've made the wrong choice, and maybe you should go back to school and do something different. But it's very easy to mistake discomfort and temporary displeasure for a bad career choice. And what you don't want to do is um, do something drastic and then find out that you know you have um, you know you've you've jumped the gun, you've done something uh, that you regret later on. So that's that's really something I think to uh, to be aware of. So those are the two questions, and I'm going to conclude the podcast here on that note. We've answered the first question about what I meant by a certain line in one of my older essays from my first book, and we've also talked about this uh, this reader's questions about his life and career choices and what to do now. So hopefully that will provide some guidance. And if you have any other questions, I'm always willing to listen. And until next time, I'm Quintus Curtius. This was brought to you courtesy of Fortress of the Mind Publications. And until next time, good night.